Today, you are listening to Think Again Christian, where pop culture and Christian traditions collide with biblical truth. Sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools. And now your host, pastor of Ravensdale Bible Church and superintendent of Rainier Christian Schools, Tony Jamie. Rethinking and re-examining concepts, ideas, traditions, and challenging your beliefs from American pop culture and your Christian denominational circles. How? By the renewing of your mind through God's Word and open radio conversation. Well, I'm going to kind of time stamp this a little bit, which I know you're not supposed to do, but it, it's the playoffs. It's baseball playoffs, and if you're a baseball fan, this is just a very exciting time of the year, even if your team's not in it, and my team, the Anaheim, Anaheim, Anaheim Angels, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or as I like to call them, the California Angels, um, well, they didn't make it. But I'm, I'm enjoying the, uh, the playoffs and the drama, and, and I wonder if you've ever heard of these two names, Kendris Morales or El Duque. Probably have heard of Kendris Morales because he used to be on the Seattle Mariners. But these are names of two of my favorite Cuban defectors. What is a Cuban defectors, you ask yourself? Well, Fidel Castro, the, the former president of Cuba. By, by the way, do you know he was the former president? I don't know what his official titles are. I mean, the guy's still in charge. But he, when you look him up, he's got all kinds of crazy titles. Prime Minister, President, General, um, he just kind of changes titles, but at the end of the day, he's still in charge. Um, but anyway, when, when Castro took over Cuba, he adopted a, a Marxist-Leninist you know, model of government and converted Cuba into a, a one-state socialist uh, party under the, the Communist Party rule. It was the first one in the, in the Western Hemisphere. And as a proven, chosen enemy of the United States. He, he prevented his people from moving to America. We put an embargo on items, you know, going to and fro uh, to, to Cuba. And so they've kind of been on this little island, isolated from us for a long time now. In fact, it's kind of cool. If you, if you go there, I guess they're, they're like in a time warp with their cars. They have all the old, you know, 50s kind of cars rolling around there and, and it looks really cool, but, but they're old, you know, they didn't, they didn't get on board the, uh, the Ford lines or Toyota. So, uh, they have old cars. Well, Castro has, has many passions, uh, in life, but none more than baseball. He absolutely adores baseball. And as it happens, Cuba has always been a, a hotbed for great baseball players. See, now we're all pretty familiar with the Dominicans, but way before the Dominicans, it was the Cubans that were well-known. And they still are. The problem is that Castro doesn't allow his prized baseball players to enter into the major leagues. He doesn't let them go to America. He hoards them and he keeps them in Cuba for his personal, literally his personal entertainment. And for years, Cuba has, has you know been playing in the, you know, amateur baseball tournaments against the world, against powerful teams like Korea or Japan or the U.S. or, you know, even the Caribbean teams like the Dominican and uh, Venezuela and things, you know, countries like that. But, um, but despite all this, uh, he, he, he hoards his guys. And baseball has always been 
the kind of the national pastime of, of Cuba. And it's always been a, a way for Cubans to get out. Well, you ask yourself, what do you mean get out? I thought he didn't let them out. Well, that's true. And uh, after the Cuban Revolution, uh, he actually created a, a league system in Cuba. And they, they have their own league. It's officially amateur. Um, it, but the, the top players in the league are actually placed on a national team. And they earn stipends, you know, kind of low payments for training and playing in international competitions. It's kind of like how the Russians used to use the Red Army to, to house the, the, uh, their, their hockey teams. Well, while Cuban baseball players are national heroes, nothing comes close to being in America and not only being in Major League Baseball, but also this ever, other little caveat, making millions of dollars, right? So what's the defector? Well, for years now, Cuban baseball players have been guarded like hawks by the Cuban military police when they travel throughout the world. So, so they found that their best way to escape Cuba has come in the form of, you know, just crossing the ocean. You know, the, the distance between Cuba and America is, is only 90 miles. You know, you may not have realized that. And there's, you know, you, you pass right on by the Bahamas and you can go from Havana to Key West, about 106 miles. It, it's not that far. And it's crazy to think that freedom, that paradise, fame, fortune is so close. And yet, so far, for a talented Cuban baseball player, Florida is the promised land. Well, taking a step back in 1871, the first Cuban put on spikes in America to play baseball. And since then, 96 others have followed. Now, they all haven't been defectors. But, but as I mentioned, the, the promised land is literally only 90 miles from Cuba to Florida. But see, there's uno, uno poquito problema. And that is you must pass through shark-infested, stingray-filled, jellyfish-laden waters. And the weather is, is, is just terrible. In the day, it's scorching hot. At night, it's, it's, it's just chilly cold. The waters are treacherous, and you don't get to ride a ferry across it because you're a defector. And anything that's an official boat is going to get detected by the Cuban police and by this little thing we call the U.S. Coast Guard, right? And so typically, the defectors make little makeshift crafts, you know, like pallets. They put together some pallets and make a little craft to go through these shark-infested, stingray-filled jellyfish waters that are in treacherous waters. And, and, and if you don't make it to the, to the United States, if you're you know, picked up by the U.S. Coast Guard, guess what happens? They send you right back to Cuba. And Cuba welcomes you back with wide open arms and gives you a free ticket to prison. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. Needless to say, they frown upon defection. Well, I mentioned that there have been, uh, you know, 97 Cubans who've come to America to play baseball over the years. And and recently, some of my favorites are, you know, Jose Fernandez, Kendris Morales, the brothers Orlando and Livian Hernandez, Orlando known as El Duque when he played for the New York Yankees. Recently, there's Jonas Cespedes and Yasiel Puig. Great names, by the way. You got to see how they, 
how they're spelled out. But Jose Fernandez, he, th- th- this guy, he attempted to defect unsuccessfully three times with each failed attempt followed by a prison term. Can you, can you believe that? Three times he tried to defect and each time he went to prison. Oh, by the way, this was before he was 15. Now, unfortunately, you may have heard of Jose Fernandez because recently he just died in a freak boating accident. But he's got an amazing story. When he, when he was 15 and he was, he was going on his, the fourth journey to, to, to fact, somebody fell over on the side. And so he dove in, not knowing who this person was, dove in to save their life. And you know whose life it was? It was his own mother's. Isn't that crazy? What an amazing story. Now, my favorite, Kendris Morales, he was a former Mariner. He didn't do very well at the Mariners. But as an angel, he you know hit 30 home runs a couple times for us. So I love Kendris. Um, but Kendris, and I heard of him when he was on the Angels, get this, he attempted to defect 12 times, 12 different times. He was on a raft and, you know, with crazy different dimensions and crowds of people and crazy weather. And finally he made it. El Duque. He attempted to leave Cuba eight times. Jonas Cespedes and, and, and six others. The way he got here is he took a 23 hour speedboat ride from Cuba to the Dominican before arriving to America. He, he had the good life. Why? Well, he actually had some people who were willing to bring him over because there was a, a, a payday for him coming if they could get him to America. And so there were 42 million reasons why people might want to be his friend. And so they got him to America. Yasiel Puig, he hit the lottery a few years later with the, the Dodgers by, by sewing his $40 million contract. And so you can understand why they would cross over, not just for the money, but, but freedom. And, and baseball was a way to to provide not only freedom and, 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 and financial stability, but also a way potentially to help their families. But is all this just misguided hope? You know, the real story behind Cuban defectors is, is, is that they're dreamers. They have a hope for fame and fortune, but, but there's no guarantees. They, they don't know if they're going to make the voyage. They don't know if they're going to perform at the big league level. And, and they don't even know that once they get there, that their family that they left behind is going to be safe. So what drives me to follow Cuban defectors? It, it's, it's, it's their hope. It's their desire. Have you, have, you, have you ever wanted something so bad that you would make sacrifices, even, even life or death, to, to achieve your dream? I, I love that passion. I'm drawn to it. I, I remember that when my dream of becoming a baseball player w- was supplanted by, by something else. There was only one thing that could change that dream. And that was when I got right with the Lord. And that really changed my perspective of life. Well, like the Cuban defectors, I made baseball my passion. It was my dream too. And and there were several sacrifices that I made to, to make my dream. But the greatest sacrifice I made was I literally replaced God with this idol of baseball. They say that a that a man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, and about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Well, 
more accurately, you can't live at all without the Lord. But we start with hope. And to some extent, I really believe that the many people um, give up in life because they really just lack not only the vision, but the hope that they can never change their lives. And these Cuban defectors, well, they, they have a big dangling carrot. They have a great hope, and that is playing professional baseball, making millions. But there's a better hope. So when we come back, we'll talk more about Cuban defectors and the better hope. Since their small beginnings in 1963, the ministry of Rainier Christian Schools has been dedicated to educating and developing each of their students for the glory of God. And it's more than just a school. Rainier Christian Schools is actually an entire school district, with three schools serving the areas of Kent, Auburn, Covington, Renton, and Maple Valley. The Christ-centered environment weaves God's truth through everything they do, from top-notch academics all the way through their competitive sports programs. Learn more at RainierCSD.org or call 425-255-7273. That's 425-255-7273. Contact Rainier Christian Schools today. Welcome back. You're listening to Think Again Christian, sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools. And now your host, Tony Jamie. Today we're talking about Cuban defectors. And we're talking about their, their great hope and their great dream to find the promised land. The promised land being... America, the promise, hope being to make fame and fortune and millions in Major League Baseball. And I'm not saying that that's a, a bad dream. In fact, that was my dream for, for many years in a, in a different way, coming from a different place. But I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm drawn to the, the passion. I'm drawn to the desire and, and I'm drawn to the sacrifice that Cuban defectors make for this great hope. For, for Cuban defectors, there, there are great rewards for their risks. Ironically, time after time when interviewed, these men focus on the rewards for crossing the Atlantic, which makes them completely blind to the risks. They don't even really think about the fact that they tried 8, 12 times to go through shark-infested waters. Of course they, they would do that. Do you know what they're going to get? That's all they can think of. I find the opposite to be true in our lives. We run the risk, rather of offending our Lord in order for earthly rewards that that fail in comparison to the ultimate reward in heaven. Remember, in Cuba, these players are treated well. They they travel the world, they're heroes, and they live better than most. But, But that fails in comparison to the ultimate reward in heaven. Or, I'm sorry, in America. And for us, we're, we're looking at the temporal rewards and we're essentially staying in Cuba. We're staying in Cuba because eh, we live better than most. And you know what? I can't hope and I can't dream and I can't really picture and envision how amazing that heaven is going to be to where I'm going to live my life and all its pursuits to make sure that I get there, that I keep my place in the mansion. I think we could learn a lot from Cuban defectors. What would you do to escape hell? What would you do if heaven were only 90 miles away? Would you go through shark-infested waters to get to heaven? I I think a lot of us want it. Ah, Key West is pretty cool, right? It's good enough for me. I'm living the good life. You know, and and, and not that I'm condoning doing illegal things like, you know, defecting, but 
at that point, nothing matters. Every time I go into Mexico and I do a, a mission trip to Mexico and I'm on the other side, I, I look across into America and I think, you guys are all crazy. If it were me, of course I would go into America. I would do everything I could, swim, fly, dig a hole, whatever it takes to get my family across. Because that is the promised land. That is the great hope. Well, how does this relate to the Bible? Well, in the Old Testament, we saw Abraham was was promised land, seed and blessing. And the land of Israel was considered the, the promised land. And after 400 years of bondage in Egypt, it seemed all but a, but a dream, a pipe dream. Well, Moses and the Hebrews longed for the promises that God had made to Father Abraham and his descendants. But, but this was just a start. The promised land of, of Israel was, was just the beginning. The real hope was, was not the dirt in Israel. The real hope was eternity in heaven. And so we have this amazing promise of heaven. Hebrews eleven sixteen. it's we're to desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. We're to desire a heavenly home, not this earthly home, not earthly treasures. Second Peter 1, 13 through 14 uh, talks about the, the idea of, of laying aside your earthly dwelling so that you, you, you can make way for a heavenly one. Heaven is our home. This is a temporary shelter. This is temporary. It should be temporary. You, you should groan and long uh, to, to, to be in heaven, as 2 Corinthians 5.2 says. The fact is, like America, the, the, for the Cuban defectors, heaven is, is beyond our wildest imagination and dreams. There's, there's nothing on earth that compares to that which we, we should be doing everything that we can to get there. But, but do we think of it that way, or is it just like, eh, eh? Maybe I'll get there someday. I'll do that later. I'll, I'll do it later. One of my good friends and, and a guy who, who is in our church, he got hit by a car today. Not today. I'm sorry. He got hit by a car this week. And you think, my word, he, he almost lost his life. He had no idea that was coming. Could you imagine if he had a laissez-faire attitude of, eh, I'll deal with God later. No, you, you should be hungry, just like the Cuban defectors. How am I going to get off this island of sin? How am I going to get out of the pit of despair? How am I going to get to the promised land to heaven? You would have an urgency too, just like the Cuban defectors, if you thought of it that way. There's so many things that we think are, are great here on earth, but none of them compare. None of them come close to heaven. Revelation 21, 4, 5 talks about the idea of, of there's not going to be any more tears, no, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Just that alone should, should drive us to this, this great hope and desire. At Rainier Christian Schools, we, we, we struggle to convince our students that the temporary rewards on earth are, are nothing compared to the eternal treasures in heaven. They, they are so captivated, just like public school students, by, by the fame and the fortune of modern celebrities. They, 
They see their friends living in big houses. They see their friends going on vacations, driving fancy cars and having money. And, and that's enticing. And, and the message of, of postmodernism that comes through in TV and movies and, and music and ideas like live for the now and you know what? do what makes you happy. Try everything at least once. And of course, don't judge me because, you know, hey, there isn't really any absolute truth to go by anyway, and you're just being too serious, and, well, at the end of the day, God will forgive me, so what's the big deal? Back off, Jack. Well, found in each of these ideas is kind of this this other idea that's this wave that's come along into the church, and it's that idea of adventure and story. I mean, who doesn't want an adventure? And, and part of the Cuban defector intrigue is their amazing stories, right? They have amazing stories. And if, if not documented uh, by other collaborating witnesses, you would think some of these stories are, are just untrue. Well, I see the same thing when we hear Christian testimonies, the, the good testimonies, right? Or, or when people have really lived it up. I mean, they've really experienced life, which means they've done a lot of sin. And, you know, while they're maybe trying not to glorify that sin and, you know, but again, you got to put yourself in, in the seat of a, of a young person listening to this tales and listening to the stories and, whoa, used to be a part of a gang. Oh, you were in the mob. No way. You, you made all this, you know, and all that stuff. And they kind of forget that, no, the better life is to have not done that at all. Well, so this affects our, our young students and our young people. They, they tend to think in terms of, well, everybody should get a story, right? Everybody has, has, an, has an opportunity to have an adventure. So, so let me have my adventure. It kind of goes back to that. Let me spend my four years in college and sow my oats and have fun and not follow rules and not listen to my parents and, and just let it all hang out before I have to, you know, go get a job, become an adult and, you know, have kids and have a real, you know, real life. And you know what? And all I have to do is walk into church, get baptized and all is forgiven. Uh, that's not a, a great way to, to think of the Lord and his statutes and his mercy. It's, it's called presumptuous and you better, be careful how you presume upon the Lord. It, it kind of, again, reminds me of, you know, these Cuban defectors are sailing or, you know, on, on these rafts to go to America to, to be a part of the U.S. because they're going to be welcomed and loved and open arms. But, you know, if the U.S. catches them in the seas, they send them right back. There are consequences for disobeying the rules and the law, and they have to uphold and keep the law. Now, once they get on U.S. land, we're, we're pretty darn gracious. Well, unfortunately, this is kind of what goes on in Christian schools today. Can you imagine what's going on in the conversations of public schools? So how do we drive a passion for heaven when our, our young people think that it's more fun here on earth? And how do we drive a passion for heaven when when they think that everything goes and how do we drive a passion in our young children for heaven and, and godliness when their parents think the same thing, that's you. So we need to grow. We need to learn. We need to understand what our true promised land is. 
One of the problems is that the gospel's too easy. It's a free gift that promises forgiveness and a path to heaven for everyone. Just get on the raft, make it, and you're in. But it's not really that simple, is it? The path to Florida is easy in concept. It's only 90 miles away. But it's not quite that simple. Well, the kingdom of God is at hand. And we do have a free opportunity through grace to be saved by faith. But I wonder if we're more concerned with the get-out-of-jail-free card that keeps us from prison, or are we more concerned with looking forward to the gift, to the prize, to the reward that heaven offers? You see, for the Cuban defector, it's more about what they're looking forward to, this great risk-reward factor of making it to the major leagues, making it to America, it's more about the promised land than how bad it is behind them. Because you know what? We could always get on with how bad it is behind us. So what are you willing to die for? The Cuban defectors were willing to die to make it to America. Is heaven worth dying for? More importantly, is heaven worth living for? Live to live is Christ. So before you lay out your hopes and your dreams on on temporal things here on earth, think about heaven and think again, Christian. You've been listening to Think Again, Christian, sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools and Tony Jamie. Rainier Christian Schools serves preschool through high school with three locations in the Renton, Maple Valley, Covington, Kent, and Auburn areas. For more information about Rainier Christian Schools, www.rainiercsd.org or call 425-255-7273.